I have found that the word stretching or the practice of stretching and flexibility has kind of hijacked yoga and people have completely become obsessed with it. And if you ask any normal human being, anybody, yogi, not yogi, whatever, and why they should stretch, or well, first of all, what they think yoga about is, then they'll say, oh, it's about stretching and flexibility. Then they'll usually follow up and say, well, I should do that. And then you say, why? Well, because stretching will help me to become younger and more beautiful or more healthy. So there's these erroneous perceptions that have plagued us. And I suffered (laughs) from these erroneous perceptions for the better part of 25 years more. And, you know, one of the things that I kept finding was I was hurting my body. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I had so much fun with this interview. I have on today Yogi Aaron, and he is one of the most sought-after yoga teachers today, and he really is trailblazing a new path in the world of yoga. He's known for his unorthodox perspectives on stretching and flexibility and how both cause more harm than good. His teachings aim to help as many people as possible live a pain-free life so they can really realize yoga's true intentions. He's the creator of a revolutionary approach to yoga called Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation, also known as Ayama. He has an online platform called The Yogi Club. He also has a podcast called Stop Stretching. And he has two books, The Autobiography of a Naked Yogi. And the book that I want you to go pick up right now on Amazon is called Stop Stretching, A New Yogic Approach to Master Your Body and Live Pain-Free. And that's really what we talk about today. He is so nice and gregarious and just I just love his energy. And I know you're going to love it too. And we talk about really his approach to yoga and why basically we've been doing it all wrong. (laughs) And he talks a little bit about his story and just how he came into this kind of new way of looking at yoga and how it's really transforming the way people quote unquote stretch, how they look at flexibility and really what the future of yoga really looks like. I'm excited to bring you this episode. So let's jump in. Okay, y'all let's jump in. I'm here with Yogi Aaron and we are talking about, well, Let's see how to phrase this. I told him before we start airing, I find this completely fascinating. I'm so intrigued by this topic because he's basically going to tell us like to stop stretching, right? Like the conversation (laughs) is about this new way of stretching and and yoga. And he's a yogi. And this is like, to start off this episode like this, you're like, what the heck are you talking about? But I'm excited to bring this whole (laughs) different perspective from Yogi Aaron. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on Hope. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. Okay. So let's kind of start with the why. What are we doing wrong? What are yogis doing wrong? <laughs> Tell us that first. <laughs> what we're doing wrong. So I'm, I firmly believe, and by the way, I talk a lot. So if you want to just cut me off, cut me off. <laughs> okay. But I, <laughs> I have found that the word stretching or the practice of stretching and flexibility has kind of hijacked yoga and people have completely become 
obsessed with it. And if you ask any normal human being, anybody, yogi, not yogi, whatever, and why they should stretch, or well, first of all, what they think yoga about is, then they'll say, oh, it's about stretching and mm-hmm. flexibility. And then, then they'll usually follow up and say, well, I should do that. And then you say, why? Well, because stretching will help me to become younger and more beautiful or more healthy. So there's these erroneous perceptions that have plagued us. And I suffered (laughs) from these erroneous perceptions for the better part of 25 years more. (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that I kept finding was I was hurting my body. Now, people go, well, you weren't doing the proper alignment. And I mean, I am an alignment or, I mean, I just, <laughs> I am so upset. I'm actually a little OCD about my alignment. And so my alignment was great. Yeah. The problem was, is I was stretching. And so you asked a question about why stop stretching. And the reason why is because it just, it causes instability in the body. My teacher, Greg, has this expression that flexibility always leads to instability. And whenever you have instability, you suffer from injury. And, you know, and and one of the things about you is like you're a Pilates person. And, you know, Joseph Pilates started it because of dancers overstretching, really, and hurting themselves. And so what he started to introduce, and I think Pilates has done somewhat of a good job, I can comment about it. But I think (laughs) overall, it's a good job in the sense that it's focused more on activation right. rather than stretching. Right, exactly. And so I think like as a systemology, it actually works really well from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's so funny you brought that up because I find in my world, and I feel like I said this and nobody hate me for this, but I'm just, I'm just saying it as I see it. <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> I find that lately... That a lot of, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of yogis have been very snobbish towards Pilates people. And I don't really understand why, because like you're saying, I feel like the two can integrate so well together. And I have found, like, I have had people turn me down from teaching at my studio because we're not a quote yoga studio. Like, okay, but we're still teaching yoga and Pilates complements that. So I, I find that it it's so bizarre to me because they have both of them have so many benefits in and of themselves. They integrate so well together. And like you're saying, it's, you know, Pilates teaching about the activation. Like I just that baffles me. <laughs> it babbles me too. And I mean, the whole thing about Pilates, I mean, it's just such I don't think a lot of people in the yoga world can wrap their head around it. But I do think that we need to stop teaching stretching and You know, there's a biomechanical response that happens, you know, when we stretch the body. And one of our favorite poses, for example, in yoga is a pose called pigeon pose or any of these kind of hip openers. And you do these things. And what you're doing is you're stretching the glutes Mm -hmm. and you think, oh, well, you know, I need to stretch my glutes. It's like, no, actually, your glutes need to be working properly. So Mm -hmm. what biomechanically happens when we stretch? There's a few ways to explain Mm -hmm. it. And I can give more than one, but one of them is like, you have this kind of proprioception between the brain and the muscle. The brain knows where the muscle is in space, okay? And then we stretch the muscle, all of a sudden you push the muscle beyond its capacity, beyond its end range of motion, beyond what it's capable of doing. 
all of a sudden there's a neuromuscular disconnect. And that's essentially what happens to you when you stretch. You just kind of, your brain just doesn't know where the body is in space. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say like, one of the things that I find so fascinating, both in the medical world, somewhat, when I talk medical world, I'm talking like physiotherapists and that sort of thing. Right. And especially the yoga world is that in yoga, we say, we're supposed to respect and honor our body. Right. But we don't also ask the question, well, why are we tight to begin with? Well, we tight because biomechanically, not in your mind, this is nothing to do with how you feel or think. This is total biomechanics. Biomechanically, your body is in a protective state. Mm-hmm. It's in a protective state because it feels unstable. So the brain is sending a message to all the muscles, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. And every time I hear, like, I have friends who have these tight TFLs yep. or tight psoas muscles, oh, I just got to dig in there and loosen it up. And it's like, no, your psoas is tight <laughs> because it's a protective yep. mechanism. Yep. So, yep, for sure. That's <laughs> such a good point. That's such a good point. I love that. Well, in your, so your approach, what you called applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. So tell me a little bit about that and what makes it different than basically everything we're just talking about. Like what makes yours so unique and so different and so much more, I guess, so much safer than just like, like you're saying, just quote unquote stretching. So there's two things. And one is the applied yoga anatomy part. And I just looking back in my own history, and I say this really without judgment, more as an observation, more as someone that's opining although it does come out of process of judgment, (laughs) (laughs) that the yoga world is so sorely and pathetically missing yoga training. I'm sorry, anatomy training. I find that a lot of people, quite frankly, in the fitness world generally are really lacking in basic muscle function. And I think that part of it is because that we we approach anatomy from such a textbook perspective rather than an applied perspective. Like we learn about it on a functional Mm -hmm. is a great word. Mm -hmm. Somebody said that the other day and I said, yeah, I almost called it functional yoga anatomy because it's just exactly that. So there's that part of it. There's that component. And whether you're just a student of mine or whether you're somebody that's doing online classes with me or whether or not you're like someone that's actually doing my in-person training, doing teacher training, that... My goal is for you to leave me with a better applied, you know, understanding of anatomy in your body and at least have some idea of muscle function. Right. And then this, the muscle activation part. So that's the first part is just teaching like some, just some general anatomy so that you know, like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing in mm-hmm. this pose. Mm-hmm. And then the muscle activation part is just because so many of our muscles are not working and that's what's causing a lot of people pain, i.e. back pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, what have you. So my goal is to start weaving these kind of muscle activations in with a yoga practice, but it's also flipping the script of the way that we approach posture. So for example, if you're folding forward and you can't touch your toes, well, your immediate assumption is I need to stretch my hamstrings. I need to stretch my lower back. But from an ayama perspective, applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation, what we're looking at is, well, we actually want to work on increasing the contractibility of the front muscles, like the abdominal muscles and the thigh muscles and the hip flexors. 
So we want to get all the flexors of the body and working and improving their contractibility. So not only can we have better range of motion, but we have stability in that range of motion. It's kind of akin to, there's this dancer, and it made me think of you because her name is Sue Mays, and she's uh, was head, I don't know if she currently is, but she was head of the ballet, the Australian ballet company, and she forbade people to stretch. And she said, like, so if you think of ballerina grabbing their foot and bringing the foot above their head, well, they're holding the foot and moving the foot with their arm. She says, that's of no use to me. I need my dancers strong so they they, Mm -hmm. without using their hand. And so I need dancers to have strength at that end range of motion. And that's what I try to work on with people. That is so true. And I, I know that firsthand. I mean, I was a dancer for 20, however many years. And I mean... What you're telling me right now is all the hours I used to spend doing the splits against the wall were not good. <laughs> so that's the first thing I'm learning. Second of all, <laughs> I work with dancers on a regular basis. I go do conditioning classes for dancers at, at, at different high schools. And that is something I, I try to instill in them like every time we're working together, which is why we do mostly like Pilates and some bar stuff. It's like, okay, yeah, you're hypermobile, but you have zero strength to control your body. And so, you know, you have them getting injured all the time. They're thrown at their back or they're doing something weird with their ankle or their knee. Like you have zero strength to accompany your flexibility. Like I think that is such a mismatch. And, and I think a lot of yogis, it's the same, right? They're super hypermobile and hyperflexible, but they have zero strength to be able to control like what their body's doing, you know? Well, the interesting thing too is like there's a guy that came on my retreat just recently not on my retreat, a retreat I was helping out at. He was actually one of the teachers and he's so flexible. Like it's just insane. But you know, the thing that it is like, I walk into the room and he was taking my class and 15 minutes before for the whole 15 minutes, constantly moving around, constantly stretching. And I'm like, how flexible do you need to be? Like you're already flexible. You're doing the stretching to get rid of pain, but you're still in pain and you're not really addressing the pain by stretching it. Yeah. And then that is repeating the cycle. Yep. It's just interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, I know. No, I totally agree. So then look, talking about that as far as pain, how can your style, your approach, your Ayama approach, how does this help people like really manage like the pain they might be feeling in certain parts of the body? And how can it help eliminate the pain? So pain is the result typically of stress, trauma, and overuse. And so you think about like, the lower back, let's just say the lower back, for example. So lower back muscles that we're bending forward, we're constantly in a flex state, then you kind of, you know, you're whatever you're doing, but your abdominal muscles are not working, your your transverse abs are dead to the wind, your rectus um, abdominis, the oblique muscles, dead, 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 they're not working. Well, what is holding the torso up as we bend forward? back muscles and especially the lower back muscles well what happens is is that lower and probably some of those back muscles are not even working Mm -hmm. so you're really starting to look at like these little tiny back muscles that are supporting the whole trunk and spine right and those muscles start to become stressed and when there's stress there's always inflammation and so it's the inflammatory response that starts to create pain really in the body one of the things I just want to impress upon people that we try and teach, which is a little different than a lot of yoga people, is that 
pain is like a check engine light in the body. You know, we're taught like sometimes to ignore pain, but pain is telling us, hey, there's something wrong here. And I ignored a lot of pain in my body for several years. And then boom, that was like a big explosion yep. when I ended up in a yep. doctor's office wanting to <laughs> spinal fuse my lower oh back. Oh my gosh. And so what we need to do, so as soon as we get like those muscles working, as soon as we get the transverse abs activated, as soon as we get some of the obliques working, maybe the multifidus and some of the other major big back muscles, as soon as those muscles start working, all of a sudden the stress goes away. And if the stress goes away, the inflammation goes away. And it can, I've seen it happen like that. I mean, there are some cases when it takes a little bit more time, yeah. but most of the time it happens really quickly. Yeah. You are speaking my language because I know this isn't Pilates, <laughs> but we teach, I, we have a teacher training at my studio that I lead. I created a teacher training program and we talk the entire time about the transverse abdominis and the multifidus like these. This is like the Pilates language. So I love that this is incorporating all of this with this yoga method. Like this is like the best of both worlds, in my opinion. So I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. Okay. So then tell me this, because, you know, you go to, I mean, really, you go to any class, you go to yoga, you go to a fitness class, wherever you go do boot camp, and they're all like, oh, you know, you've got to stretch to keep yourself from getting injured. It helps prevent injury and blah, blah, blah. blah mm-hmm. stretching. So from what you're saying here, that this isn't necessarily the case, like what is the safe way to quote unquote stretch? Like how do we do that safely where we really are preventing injury and while still like building flexibility? First of all, there is no scientific evidence to support that stretching prevents injuries. And that's just, I mean, I've done a deep dive into it. There just really isn't any evidence. Now there is evidence. There's some studies that have been done where results have been inconclusive. Mm-hmm. So it didn't affect it one way, one or, way another. or the other. Yeah. But there are a lot of studies that are starting to show up more and more now that are saying that not only will you injure yourself from stretching, but the reason why is because stretching actually shuts down muscle function mm. so that the muscle is no longer working. There was one study from Lenox Hill Hospital it was around 2014, maybe. I'd have to go double check it. But the study said that they tested these athletes and found that their muscles stopped working for 30 minutes before their workout. So you can imagine you're going in to do whatever sports you're doing and you don't have that muscular stability right. because your muscles stop working because you stretch. There's another one that came out recently that said 90 minutes. Wow. And so... But also a lot of these studies are done on young people. They're done on younger athletes, people that are 16, 18, 22 years old. Well, your body bounces back faster. Right. If you're like a 35, 40, 45, 50 year old person, you know, you don't want to, the time that it will take for your muscles to reboot is that much longer because you have more of a history of stress trauma and overuse in your life. Right. right. So to answer your question, like I just don't stretch anymore. Before my workouts, I do some dynamic muscle activation. So for example, you'll appreciate this. I think being a Pilates person that my, one of my favorite poses is bridge pose Uh and, you know, and doing a series of bridge poses and holding it for a certain amount of time so that you go out and get the glutes activated. So now you're 
your suspension system of your body is like properly working mm-hmm. and you don't destroy your knees. A lot of people don't know that they get knee pain. The reason why knee pain evolves is because glutes that are inactive. And so if the glutes are like the suspension system, the shock absorbers, if they're not working, the knees are going to get it. Yeah. And the lower back is going to get it. Yeah. So, so that's what I kind of focus on and encourage people to do. Get the transverse abs working. Get your glutes working. Get the psoas working. Yeah. Pick a couple of muscles. Change it out every yeah. day. Do something a little different. But go into your exercise with a body that's ready. Don't stretch because you will injure yourself. Yeah. So... For those who are, I like to, you know, have some tangible things for people here. Are there any, because you mentioned one just now, which I really like, you're talking about the bridge pose. Yes. What are some other like poses or movements or, you know, these kind of active things that you're talking about that people can do instead of stretching? Oh my goodness. You don't have to list them off. (laughs) Just pick a few. (laughs) Well, you mentioned earlier the multifidus. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so important. So doing like a pose like quadruped when you come onto all fours and then you lift opposite leg and arm, the way that it's taught, I don't know how it's taught in Pilates, but the way that it's often taught in yoga is kind of like this spinal balancing kind of thing that Uh they've created. But the way, if you really want to activate the multifidus, you've got to lift the, the leg and the arm up while keeping the hips square. So it's a little technical. That's one of my favorites. So bridge pose, another one, which I say is the secret of living a long, youthful life. So we talk about people are obsessed with youth. is a pose called Superman pose. In Sanskrit, we say shalabhasana, but coming onto your stomach and then just lifting the legs and lifting the chest up. Where I told you I kind of like I could opine a little bit on Pilates. I think where muscle activation is a little bit different is that we are holding contractions, isometric contractions for six seconds mm-hmm. and doing it six times. Okay. And that's it. Gotcha. So it's a little bit different. A little um, slower. That's good. Yeah. A little slower. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of the things that we're doing is we're working on building up the slow twitch muscle fibers. Right. Right. And it's a slow twitch that we really want to kind of access. Mm-hmm. But we're also, more importantly, working on that, you know, that brain yep. to muscle connection. Yep. So for some reason, the six seconds, six times thing kind of sticks because we also don't want to stress out the neuromuscular system. Mm-hmm. So sometimes doing it too much, too much can yeah. create more stress. So sense. we're trying to find that happy medium mm-hmm. of just connecting the brain to the muscle. So doing Shalabhasana. And also plank. I mean, plank, but again, six seconds, six times. And that can be a really great way to get the TVA, the transverse abdominus, fired up. <laughs> Love that. Those are all so good. And very Pilates. Again, I just feel like this is like a good like intermediary, right? Because it's like some Pilates movements, but like with the yoga spin, I love it. Like this is such good work. I love it. Yes. So what do you see for kind of the future of yoga? I know that's a pretty big question because there's so many different types and ways of teaching and doing it. It's such a broad term. I feel like these days it's such a broad term because there's a lot of people who say they teach yoga, what they're teaching really isn't yoga. But but in terms of like, <laughs> you know, in terms of keeping people safe and doing more functional applied movement, like you're talking about, what do you see as the future of yoga? 
I mean, there's a lot to say about that statement. I hope a couple of things, but I think as more people are getting into yoga, a lot of people are going to like these crazy yoga classes where they turn the temperature up to 120 degrees and play ACDC and, <laughs> you know, and all of these different things. Yes. And I think that, or where it's just all about stretching. Yep. But I think that a lot of people, there's kind of a wave of people and it's kind of around the first or second wave where people are starting to go, what's more than this? Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be more than turning the temperature up to 120 degrees. There's got to be more than me trying to turn myself into a pretzel. Like I just, (laughs) what else is there? And I think that with that, and also to a lot of people, it's one of the unspoken things in the yoga world that there's a lot of people getting injured. And because of the stretching thing, and I mean, sure, they feel good in the beginning, who doesn't feel good when you start moving your body for the first time and, you know, however long, there's always going to be like that endorphin rush. But as time goes on, people inevitably end up hurting themselves. So I think that my hope is that I, and I believe that the yoga world is starting to have its own reckoning on many different fronts. And this kind of idea of stretching is something I hope that to create more conversation about. Yeah. Yeah, and get my book more into different yoga teacher trainings. Yes, yes. I was just about to say that. I mean, even just incorporating this into, you know, the teacher trainings that already exist. Like, I feel like that's yes. that's huge. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, you know, so I mentioned, like, I'm really passionate about teaching yoga teachers about muscle function. Yeah. Like, you know, just a simple example, like yoga teachers will say, okay, let's come into triangle pose and stretch the side of our body. Well. Why do we need to stretch? And what muscles are we contracting to get into the pose, you know, to begin with? And and if you ask them that, it's, there's nothing. They don't know because they just were never taught it. So my goal is to get, create more conversation around anatomy and what muscle function is and means. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I I do have a question because I'm curious to know your insight. And you can be judgy if you want to be judgy, because I won't judge you for being judgy if you want to be. But I would like to know your opinion on, since you mentioned it, about like these yoga classes, these like super heated yoga classes. Because, you know, I, I, a lot of the people who are like hardcore proponents, I mean, because I did Bikram back in the day when it was still called Bikram. I did it back in the day. And I honestly, I hated it. I only did it for a while. I'm like, this is not yoga. But, but what is your opinion on the, the, you know, there's the group of people who are like, oh, the heat makes you more flexible and it makes you stretch easier and the heat, blah, blah. What is your take on that? I mean, there's a lot of things to say about it. You know, so I don't think it's really helping people as much as they think it is. Now, it may give you a feeling of feeling better. You know, you're going to walk into a room, you're going to sweat out a Heck bunch yeah. of stuff. I, uh, you know, one of my exes was training to be a doctor and he was telling me, and I don't know if this is true, but he mm-hmm. said, biomechanically, because of the heat, you're literally flushing your organs out. Now, again, I don't know if that's true, but, yeah. you know, you walk in there and you'll walk out feeling really good. Well, yeah. is that feeling good, like healthy? Is right. it? Is it like, you know, like I can feel good having three glasses of wine right now. <laughs> right. Um, so, 
So, you know, I don't know what that means, but the long term, I can tell you that I ended up with a lot of problems in my body, not just from Bikram. I was, sure. you know, doing a lot of stretching. So I'm not blaming that practice per se. Yeah. There are some really good things in the Bikram sequence that I actually think are well taught mm-hmm. from a biomechanical perspective. Yeah. But, you know, but it's just a gimmick. I mean, right. at the end of the day, it's, it's a gimmick. He... I believe that Bikram believes his gimmick. I, I don't think that he doesn't believe it. Right. But it's a gimmick and good for him. I mean, he did well with it. So yeah. <laughs> he did something. And, you with know, it. <laughs> but also hope, just in fairness, like I'm a huge person that believes that no matter how people come to yoga, the journey, it's going to spark something yeah. within. And we totally. see that a lot with Bikram people yeah. that they, one day they woke up and they went, there's got to be more mm-hmm. than walking into a room of 120 yes. degrees and being yelled at by yep. someone for 90 minutes. <laughs> exactly. There's got to be more than that. That's so true. That's That was my experience. <laughs> that was my experience. From, that's why I was like, this is the yoga that I'm looking for. Like, so yeah, it yeah. totally opened my eyes to other, you know, ways of doing yoga. So I, yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So however anybody gets in the door, That's right. I don't care. That's right. You know, I'm just I'm just happier here for the party. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Okay. Well, I do want you to share. I have well, I have one last question to ask you that I like to ask everybody, but I want you to share um, about your book and where we can find out more about all of this and for the yogis listening, I have a lot of yogis in my world that I know are going to listen to this episode. Like, where can they learn out, like, how to teach this, what you're talking about? I would recommend, first and foremost, to go to my website, yogiaron.com. There's links to my podcast there, which is available on iTunes and Spotify called Stop Stretching. Hello. Um, <laughs> I love that. And no, not the hello part. But <laughs> I love the stop stretching part. <laughs> and it's an eight-part series. This first six parts have come out, and I'm really excited about the next one. But it's, it really just takes you on a journey of unpacking, stretching, what it's doing. There's some, a lot of science in it. There's a lot of experts, a lot of testimonials, and of course, my own story. I also give a really good story about the history of yoga. And then I just came out with my book called Stop Stretching, A New Yoga Approach to Master Your Body and Live Pain-Free, which just became number one on Amazon. That's amazing. Yoga in chronic pain, back pain. So it was a very oh exciting gosh. launch uh, weekend. It. That's so um, good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank oh. you. Um, in, in the book, though, I give a lot of like, this is how you activate muscles. Right. And I go through the muscle function, like here's the trunk rotators, here's the trunk flexors, here's the trunk extensors, you know, and I relate them to yoga like postures yeah. so that people start to put two and two together. Right. Like, oh, we're in backbending territory now. Oh, we're in twisting territory now. Right. So it's really written to A, understand body function more. And also giving you like the tips so that you can actually start to apply this into your life at this moment. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. I'm going to put all the links, all that in the show notes and definitely go get his book. And that's so exciting about your book. I'm so happy for you. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for that. You're welcome. So the last question I want to ask you that I like to ask everybody, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? To live with purpose. I think that 
just kind of two things. I mean, I can talk about this for two hours. So it's one of my favorite topics. My mission in life is to help people become pain free and to live in purpose. So that's my purpose. I love it. But, <laughs> but I think it's so important, like wake up every day, ask yourself, have I been living my best life? And how can I live my best life now? And, you know, and just take simple practices and start applying them into your life. So that's step one is asking that every day. I wake up every morning and go, am I really living my purpose? And if not, how? <laughs> and, and then the second thing is to use affirmations. And I think it ties into what I first said about living in purpose, because affirmations are a way for us to kind of access that the best parts of ourselves, the, the highest potential that we have and to reorientate our mind so that our mind is in the groove of living our life purpose rather than it marinating on all the problems of yesterday. We can start to actually be present in the now to live our purpose. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much, Yogi Aaron, for sharing your wisdom. I am really excited to get this out to all the yogis in my world because I, I mean, I really think this is going to change people's lives. So I appreciate your work. Thank you. And yes, <laughs> and your insight. This is, this is amazing. I love it. Thank you so much, Hope. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.